This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with the salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of over $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Adventures in Angular link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. Ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to our classes in St. Louis or San Francisco, angularbootcamp.com. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code AngularAdventures, you'll get a $10 credit. This episode is sponsored by Telerik, the makers of Kendo UI. Kendo UI integrates seamlessly with both AngularJS 1.x and 2.0. It provides everything you need to integrate with AngularJS out of the box, bindings, component configuration directives, template directives, form validation event handlers, and much more. And yet, Kendo UI tooling does not depend on AngularJS, so if you want to use it with Angular or not, that's totally up to you. You can check it out at kendoui.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 66 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Lucas Rubelke. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Quick shout out, early bird tickets and the call for proposals are both available for JS Remote Conf next January. So if you're interested, go check it out at jsremoteconf.com. We also have a special guest this week, and that is Uri Shaked. Yeah, you pronounced it right. That's Shakehead to you. I, I only had to say it like 10 million times to get it right. You want to introduce yourself real quick? Uh, yeah, so I'm Uli, uh, AngularJS GDE. I also have some nice open source projects which we are going to discuss today. And since this is episode number 66, I think we can also talk about the new version of Internet Explorer, i.e. 6.66, yeah. which was uh, introduced <laughs> yeah. uh, last week in Angular Connect. Um, yeah, if then, you thought uh, IE6 was hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. yeah, and I also uh, organized the Israeli NGConf. I organized it last year, and it was awesome. We had like 500 uh, Angular developers attending. Oh, nice. So, then, so, so you and Shai Resnick are like best friends then, right? Uh, more than best so- friends. <laughs> <laughs> Or frenemies. <laughs> frenemies. No, no. We are more than uh, best friends. We even uh, have beers together sometimes. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I also love robotics and uh, electronics. So I do all sort of, all sort of stuff with uh, electronics. Like last year, I built xylophone out of uh, hard drives and beer bottles. So... Uh, you can find that on YouTube. Boy, you have um, too much fun. <laughs> that's the plan. That's my master plan to <laughs> have 
too much fun. I also work for BlackBerry. Uh, when I say that, uh, people always ask me, do they still exist? So yeah, they still exist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some, somebody's got to help the antique shop stay open, right? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Oh, I forgot to mention, I also danced salsa and teach people how to dance. So if you're up to a salsa dancing lesson, uh, you're invited. Oh, nice. All right. Well, we brought you along today to talk about how to build directives around other libraries. And before the show, you mentioned that you have a couple. Do you want to talk about what those are real quick and what they do? Yeah, so there is Angular Moment, which uh, wraps uh, Moment.js. And I think the main feature that it provides is having this uh, five seconds ago. So if you want to show a user what was the last time something was modified, you could use that. And then there is also Angular Spinner, which just, just wrapper around uh, Spin.js. And uh, lets you show nice spinner to your users while they're waiting for their Halloween customs to arrive. Awesome. So I, I'm just going to dig into this because for the most part, I mean, Moment.js has some stuff to it, you know, uh, handling times and dates. And I mean, that can be a mess. So I can definitely see where you may want to wrap that with a directive where you can use all over the place. But the spinner, I mean, I may be using it on like one or two places on my app. So what's the advantage of having that put into a directive? I think that if you have uh, Spin.js in your application and then you have to like, it's a few lines of code to like wrap in the directive. But I think it, it went the same for both uh, Moment.js and Spin.js. When I wanted to add them into my uh, application, I had to like, either come up with my own directive. And back at that time, I wasn't really uh, familiar with all the directives options. So I didn't know what was the best way to wrap them. And then I had to Google it and I found several approaches and several answers. And each of them had its own robots. And then I decided, I thought to myself, this must be some problem that many application developers face and Spinner is a very common thing that you probably need in almost any kind of application. So I decided to take it one step ahead. And instead of just integrating the directive that I came up with into my application, wrap it as a third-party library and uh, let other people start using it. So it just makes it more portable? Is that really the driver behind this? Just save time for other developers. And then I think the amazing thing about it is once you release those directives to the open source to GitHub, you start seeing uh, users adding features and making some things that you wouldn't even thought about. I mean, it usually starts with uh, some bug fixes, like with the... Uh, Moment.js directive, the one that says uh, how much time ago uh, was something. I didn't, in the initial versions, I didn't clear the scope. I mean, I didn't destroy the timer when the uh, scope was destroyed. So I got that as a pull request. But then you see people adding all sorts of features and having all sorts of suggestions. So I think it's both about saving other people's time and then also getting a better directive out of the community, a better implementation. If I could jump in here, uh, one other thing that I found when wrapping a like third-party component in Angular is that you actually kind of surface a more idiomatic way 
to actually leverage that particular component. So, for instance, if you look at the uh, Spin.js website, uh, the way to actually spin that up, haha, is you actually have to append the spinner to some kind of DOM element. Where with the Angular Spinner directive is that you can actually instantiate that in an Angular way, which is going to basically promote consistency across your markup and your templates. And so that is, to me, one of the, the biggest advantages of taking a third-party component, wrapping it in Angular, in an Angular directive, is now you can consume that directive or that component in an Angular idiomatic way that, that makes sense and is consistent across your entire application. Just to pile onto that, too, it's also in, in the place where you expect it to be, namely, in this case, in the library, but it'll also show up in the controller instead of trying to hunt through a whole bunch of mess of jQuery to figure out where you appended that particular feature or function to your DOM element. And that is the beauty of directives. One of the, I think one of the beautiful things of it is that a lot of times if you look at the documentation, it's like, oh, I have to query the DOM and I have to find the element I want to append this to. Whereas with a directive, they give you the element, you know, right inject it into the directive so then you can say element dot whatever and you can just instantiate it from there. And so that's really nice that they just kind of deliver the element that you actually want to instantiate uh, this component on. Right. And then I think another interesting point about the Angular Moment library, now I've just started porting it into Angular 2. And when I started thinking about what it should look like with Angular 2, I realized that we no longer need to make it a directive. The reason it was a directive in Angular 1 is because it constantly had to update the DOM uh, as time goes by. And now with Angular 2, we can use the new pipe feature, which lets us hook into the change detection and tell Angular, okay, we need to update something because I know that something should be changed. So I think that when you come to wrap some kind of third-party library, you have to see if directive is a good fit because in some cases, uh, filters or now pipes with Angular 2 or services can provide a better uh, way of abstracting the third-party library. So I guess the next question is, let's say that I have my own JavaScript library. We'll call it Chuck.js. And uh, it does everything. You know, it, it walks the dog, it does authentication, and it shovels your walks in the winter. So how do I go about wrapping Chuck.js in a directive so that I can then tell Angular that these DOM elements need to behave in this way? First of all, I think that it really depends whether this library does some kind of DOM manipulation or is some kind of reusable component. Okay. I think the first thing I would check is whether there is some kind of jQuery plugin which already wraps this library or perhaps this, the library itself is already written as a jQuery plugin. And if this is the case, then it's probably a good candidate for a directive. And then the next thing I would probably uh, do is find all the interaction points between the library and the DOM and see how I can wrap it with the directive. So whenever I create a directive, I get an, I get direct access to the element where the directive is placed. So I need to make sure that this element can interact with the library. So 
for example, in the case of a jQuery plugin, I will probably instantiate a jQuery plugin and pass it that element. And then after I have like managed to hook all the DOM stuff into the element of the directive, I would probably hook into all the events of the library and then try to hook them into the Angular digest cycle. So if it's like, I don't know, uh, some kind of uh, check library that can uh, check wood. So whenever whenever it needs to check some wood, it will give me a check wood uh, event and then I will add a listener and uh, wrap it with the Angular digest cycle uh, with root scope apply. And then I would probably call some uh, user provided function to expose this event. Now there is also another part. I usually want to listen to the attributes or the scope of my directive and update the component accordingly. And I think I can divide it into two subtypes of components. So if the component is just displaying some kind of value or adding some kind of animation or something like that to the DOM, I will usually use the scope to communicate uh, values in and out. But then if it's more like a kind of input element, such as date picker or some nice kind of slider, I'll probably use ng-model for that. So I can tell Angular whenever the value changes and it will be able to run all the validations and take care of the two-way data bindings. So I think that distinction is also important. So do you want to walk us through briefly how you uh, built Angular Moment or Angular Spin? Angular Spinner? Yeah, so uh, let's go with Angular Moment. So I'm right here looking at the GitHub for uh, Angular Moment. And I can see that my first commit was like two and a half years ago when I started building my uh, first like big Angular application and I needed this directive. And then at some point I decided it was like 30 lines of code and I decided, okay, this can be useful for somebody else, so I'm going to upload it to GitHub. And it was a really simple repository, just a Bower JSON file, the Angular module with just uh, the time ago directive, and it was like 30 lines. And then in order to help other people discover this directive, I registered it on uh, ng-modules. And then I also went to Stack Overflow to look for people asking, how do I integrate Angular and Moment and show that uh, time ago component that automatically updates. And I put a link there and I also published it uh, to Bauer. And it received some attention, but I think that the real benefit of like publishing uh, stuff to, on GitHub as open source is getting the uh, contributions and the feedback from the community. And uh, what I've learned is that you need to take some steps to make it easier for the uh, community to contribute back to your uh, project. So in my case, I think that about a month after I published just the very bare directive, I started adding some stuff that will help people contribute. So it started with the unit tests. So whenever somebody contributed, he could run the unit tests and see that he didn't break anything. And it also helped to set a standard. So whenever somebody contributes, you will see how the library is supposed to be used, what are the use cases, and then also write his own tests. 
And then I also added some uh, co-linting using JSIN, integrated it with uh, Travis CI. Eventually, I also started providing uh, contributing guidelines so people will have um, basic understanding of how they prepare their development environment, how they clone the project, how they run the tests, what are the requirements from them whenever they send a pull request. And I think that uh, those things are really essential once you decide to go ahead and publish your uh, directives or third-party libraries on GitHub. That was excellent. Mm-hmm. It actually had, I mean, I know we were talking about you know components in, in Angular, but that was actually a pretty interesting, I think, I don't want to say tangent, but like parallel thought about just how to actually prepare a repository for consumption by the community. So like... Excellent. Thanks for sharing. And contribution by the community, I would add. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think in Shai Resnick's, my friend of me words, I would say community, 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 transpilers, transpilers, transpilers. <laughs> yeah, oh, you get their homes. There. So, Uri, tell me, mm-hmm. somebody was going to approach this. I know we've kind of you know touched upon this in, in a few different ways, but let's say somebody had a, a great component that they wanted to use and they wanted to wrap it in Angular. Just walk us through kind of this checklist one more time about how they would, would approach this. So, I mean, I know we have talked about bits and pieces, but just give me the, the summary. So let's say we're in an elevator and you have like one minute to kind of give me the high-level details of things that I need to do to wrap a component in an Angular directive. All right. So I assume that this is like a component and you want to isolate it from the other parts of the applications to make it reusable. So first of all, you define an Angular directive with uh, an isolate scope. And then you figure out what would the inputs and the outputs of the component be. If it's like an input component, then you will want to use uh, ng-model and ng-model controller to communicate in and out of the directive. Otherwise, you would probably want to use two-way bindings or event bindings on the isolate scope. And then you need to figure out how the third-party library interfaces with the DOM and book it up with uh, Angular change detection mechanism and the uh, directives elements. And finally, you sometimes want to add some uh, custom logic. So in case of Angular Moment, Moment.js does not really provide the um, functionality to automatically uh, update the uh, time. So in my case, I just need to set up some timers and do the extra miles so you could just use the component and enjoy it without having to think about the updates. And then make a and then our And then our one minute is over. Oh, man. <laughs> that was too short a minute. That was too short a minute. Um, and so just to kind of add on top of that, I actually have, if you go to my repositories on GitHub, I have actually an Angular Chosen repository. So I was using the Chosen plugin, which is kind of this neat multi-select drop down, I wrapped it in Angular, and a few people have actually used it. Um, I actually, one company actually reached out to me and said, you know, can we use this, you know, with like, and uh, like under the license and everything. So I had to sign some paperwork and I got a t-shirt and it was pretty neat. But I found that when doing this, first of all, you know, does this component, like what events does it surface? And so for instance, when somebody actually selects something in the, the chosen drop down, 
there's actually an event that fires. And so then I have to listen to that in Angular. And then as Uri said, I need to kick off a digest cycle. But occasionally what's interesting is something will happen in Angular and you actually need to refresh the component and actually let the component know that something has happened. And so I've actually had to submit a few pull requests to some of these components because they didn't actually have a way to kind of force a refresh. And so, you know, that's really, you know, the big thing to focus on is, you know, what are the outputs in terms of events so that you can listen to and update your Angular app? But also, how do you actually force, you know, kind of an update within the Dashi component that you're, you're wrapping? You know, do they have like an update method or a refresh method or something like that to say, hey, something happened in Angular. I need this thing to, to kind of redraw itself. And so, um, it's actually went both ways in terms of, you know, updating your, Angular repository around the component, but I've actually had to submit, uh, you know, PRs back to the component to say, hey, you don't really have a good way to update yourself, you know, dynamically, because a lot of them are actually written to, like, take existing DOM elements on the page and then, you know, turn them into essentially this component with extended functionality, whereas with Angular, you know, things are definitely, like, dynamic and, you know, you might have an ng repeat with a component it's not designed for that. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see that two-way you know, contribution where you actually contribute back to the component to make it work well with Angular. Well, the oh, other thing that's is... That's a really good point. The, the author isn't going to think of every use case. And so when you have your own use case, I mean, that's exactly where you want to contribute like you're talking about there, Lucas. And so that's even, you know, I think one is the Angular community benefits, but, you know, it's really interesting to see how you can actually allow or update or contribute back to the component so that if, you know, somebody wants to wrap it in, you know, some other framework, you know, those hooks are already there for them to refresh. Because, you know, sometimes, but at least I know for myself is if I'm writing a directive or something I'm going to release, it's for a specific use case for a problem that I'm trying to solve. And I haven't thought of everything. And so a lot of times these repository authors are very responsive to these kind of updates and, and contributions. They just haven't thought of it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I also had case like this when I needed to update a third party component that wasn't really built to be updated. And I just ended up like whenever the Angular scope updated, I needed to remove the component from the DOM and build a new one, uh, which was kind of a pain in the ass. But sometimes you don't have a choice. True story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I know we have a hard stop coming up for uh, some of the folks on the call. Is there anything else that we definitely should tackle before we get to the picks? So I think we should do a pre-pick pick, and that is Uri and I were at Angular Connect, and I think maybe we should just take, you know, just real quick, a minute or two, and just kind of talk about you know, some of the neat things that, uh, that we saw there. Sure. You're first, Uri. All right. So I really like the connect part of Angular Connect. I really enjoyed the conference and I think the speakers were awesome. I made a few new friends from uh, with both uh, speakers and participants. I wish it was one day longer, though. And uh, I think that I was really surprised, positively surprised to find some talks about uh, the soft skills. Well, those are my picks from Angular Connect. And so my picks were, one is I think this is the first time that I think the community has really got a sense of like, this is what Angular 2 is going to be. And up to, I think, this point, Angular 2 had been kind of this nebulous kind of concept out in the ether. 
And we had some kind of hints and some ideas of kind of what it looked like, but it was kind of from, you know, when you stare at your a shadow and you're like, okay, I think I know what this looks like, or I think I know what it's going to be. And for me, you know, kind of sitting through the talks and the keynote, I thought that it really started to kind of come together for me. The fact that, you know, we're building TypeScript or ES6 and we're really leveraging this, you know, these language features and these standards. And then we're just decorating that functionality or that language, those language features with the Angular framework. And so it really truly to me kind of clicked like this is a platform in which we can build some really, really serious applications. And so the talk that actually Shai Resnick and I gave called the real air quotes Angular keynote, and it was you know, really a, a serious five minute talk, but wrapped in 20 minutes of, of just nonsense is the point we were trying to make is that we have better tools and a better language, which makes for a much better framework that allows us to build better things faster. And I just believe that more than ever is that, you know, with the modern tooling, with ES6 and TypeScript, we have a much better language. And because of that, Angular 2 solves a lot of the problems that Angular 1 had, but it also brings additional features to solve problems that we didn't even know we had. And it's just a really exciting time to be a front-end developer, a web application developer, but also an Angular developer. So Chuck, what was your favorite part of Angular Connect? I wasn't there. That was your favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have to get on an airplane. I was, yep, that was, that was. I mean, it it sounded like there was a lot there. Uh, The last episode of this show that we recorded last week, I mean, we talked a lot about what happened there and and what the announcements were and some of the other things. It sounded like it was a tremendous conference. So, you know, maybe next year. Uh, This year, we were just a little too close to having a baby here, so... (laughs) Um, I couldn't leave my wife eight months pregnant and go to a conference in London. It's your own peril, my friend. I think you made the right choice. Yeah, I don't know which would have gotten me killed faster, going to London without my wife or leaving her here with four kids while she's eight months pregnant. So, Death witch, either way. That's right. All right, well, should we get some picks? More picks? Better picks? Sure. Less better Let's, picks? Yeah. Uri, give us your yeah. picks. So my picks from the for this week are um, first of all um, the uh, ES two thousand sixteen column operator, which uh, is supposed to replace the uh, bind this that we need to call whenever we register an event listener. Or so it's still a state zero proposal. So I hope it will. I really hope it will make it to the language at some point. And then I have another one. It's a game called Bullshit, uh, which a uh, few friends of mine are building with Angular 2. It's like still in early stages. They started, uh, they worked on it uh, during uh, Angular 2 hack night we had in Israel like uh, last month. And it's a nice game. Uh, you get questions and you have to make up lies and then you need to trick your friends to think, uh, to choose your answer instead of the correct answer. All right. Are you telling me the truth right now or does that game really exist? <laughs> I was kidding. You see what I did there. So, uh, my pick is a post that I saw on, uh, Medium. So it's Angular introduction to reactive extensions. So, uh, Rob Wormoth really got me excited about, um, RxJS and just streams. And, uh, so Ben Lesh actually, they, he gave a phenomenal talk at Angular Connect. And, uh, this post by Gerard Sands is, it just talks about Angular and, um, reactive extensions 
And I found it to be you know, really well written, really easy to follow. And uh, I'm just super excited about Observable. It's, you know, kind of reactive extension programming. And uh, I think it's excellent. So check it out. I'm, the link will be in the show notes. Did you subscribe? Well, I see you're trying to lure me into a joke. <laughs> did I succeed? You did. It took me a second. Yeah. I'm like, subscribe to Medium? No. Oh, I get it. <laughs> All right. I've got a pick here. I've got a couple, actually. Um, this one I haven't picked on this show. I have talked about it on other shows, but uh, I really like having houseplants in my office. I just like having some green. and I, I actually managed to uh, water my plants on a regular basis, so they're not dead yet. I did have my... Uh, I have a little, I don't know what you call it, but it's kind of a palm tree. It's got big palm leaves on it. It's a house plant. And yeah, I did leave it out of the sun for a while, so it nearly died. But I moved it back up on my desk, and now it's happy again. Um, but anyway, uh, I got these plant choices from a TED Talk. And I'll just put a link here in the show notes. It's called uh, How to Grow Fresh Air. And uh, I've like, I, yeah, I just bought these plants, and I like having them in my office I am actually tempted to, uh, so I have a big window in my office and I'm actually tempted to put, uh, like get some herbs. So maybe some basil or something and have fresh basil growing in my office. I think that'd be great. And I think it'd smell good in here. But anyway, so yeah, that's one pick. Uh, another pick, I get a lot of people asking me. So I did this, uh, between, uh, my last two shows, uh, that I did this week. I've been getting asked about my podcasting setup. So I did a periscope about it. And I'll put the link, a link in to that in the show notes as well. I need to put it up on my blog. Right now, you can find it. It's on catch.me. But yeah, I want to embed it in my blog and then give people links to everything that I use. If, uh, if you're interested in that, then keep an eye out. And those are my picks. Okay. What about the directive for growing plants in Angular? I think we need one. Oh, I think so too. I think we need a watering directive and a sunlight directive. And she water. <laughs> uh, all right well that was awesome thanks you Woody. thank you guys i really enjoyed it thank you shaky head you're welcome lukey you're the best hosting and bandwidth provided by the blue box group check them out at bluebox.net bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn deliver your content fast with cashfly visit c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y.com to learn more do you want to have conversations with the Adventures in Angular crew and their guests? Do you want to support the show? Now you can. Go to adventuresinangular.com slash forum and sign up today. 